Well, welcome to another episode of Three Old Matzo Balls Talk Sports. Glad to have you back with us. And for first-time listeners, where the fuck have you been for the last 15 months? So anyways, uh, on behalf of my colleagues, uh, Matzo Ball Brian and Matzo Ball Drew, great to be back with you. Hey, guys, um, will you allow me to, to start off our podcast today with, uh, with a joke that's um, in, in all likelihood going to offend a lot of people? I wouldn't have it any other way. Okay, excellent. So I, I do have to give a little credit. Um, I'm rereading this wonderful book that I read when I'm um, dropping some kids off at the lake uh, called Old <laughs> Old called Old, Old Jews Telling Jokes. And so um, uh, that's what I'm going to give credit to this joke to. Uh, and uh, so Morris and Becky are both in their 80s and they're residing at the long-term care facility, the home, uh, and they've started up a friendship. So every Friday afternoon at 2.15 sharp, Becky goes to Morris's room, closes the door, and just holds his penis for 15 minutes. And this goes on for like four or five months. One Friday at 2.15 sharp, she shows up in Morris's room. No Morris. Panic, she runs up and down the hall calling out, where's Morris? Where's Morris? And one of the attendants finally stops her and says, hey, Morris is down the hall in Zelda's room. So Becky goes down to Zelda's room, opens the door, and there sits Zelda with Morris holding his penis. So Lucky Becky, Morris. But Becky cries out, Morris, Morris, why are you doing this? Haven't I been good enough for you? What she have that I don't? Morris looks up at her and says, Parkinson's disease. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. You know what, Mike? Maybe what? we all have something to look forward to as we get older. <laughs> oh, just remember, you guys, just remember that there can be a silver lining to, to many different things. <laughs> so on that sick note, um, hey, let's start off and talk a little golf. We just had the conclusion about an hour ago of the FedEx Cup, and um, I honestly couldn't think of a nicer guy. I'm, I'm a big fan anyway uh, than Victor Hovland to have won this going away. Um, Everything that we hear about him, at least on the air and so forth, is that he is uh, a beloved uh, colleague in the locker room and everything. Certainly when we see him, um, he always seems to have a smile on his face. And and I, I guess the these guys don't have any weaknesses, but the, but the relative weakness of his game uh, the last couple of years leading into this season was apparently his short game, uh, you know, around the greens, the bunkers and so forth. And he clearly has turned that. Uh, into a major weapon now, so um, it doesn't seem to have any weakness at all. So congratulations to Victor Hovland. And um, as we go into, I believe it's the Writers' Cup um, coming up here pretty soon, and obviously well in advance of the 2024 majors, I do have a question for you guys. So I'll just throw the question out there. So at this point, who do you feel are the the one or two golfers that carry that unfortunate mantle now as the best golfer in the game to not have won a major. Okay. Well, I, I would have said, I'll still say it. I'll say Ricky Fowler. Um, one years ago, he was the best golfer to not have won a major. Then he went into a pretty big slump, but now he's back. So I would say Rick, Ricky Fowler is one of them. Uh, Drew, I'll let you go ahead. Yeah, that's that's a really good one. So I'm trying to think of somebody that's, you know, 
in their prime, but that's not a brand new player on tour that we've given a reasonable chance to win majors. And obviously for years and years, it was Colin Montgomery. Then it became Lee Westwood, Luke Donald. Are you sensing a, a, a theme here? All British guys. <laughs> well, then uh, it was Sergio Garcia for a while. For a oh, long yeah. time, it was Sergio. Yes, for sure. He finally won the, right. Then he finally won the Masters. Um, so Ricky's probably right, Brian, given that he's been on tour now for about 10 years, I, I would say, that the guy that that is going to start to come close, who's been great for the last five or six years, and in fact played amazing today, who I love, is Xander Shoffley. I mean, he seems to love Eastlake. He's playing great, but something in the majors has held that guy back. I would have thought he would have won a major by now. I still think he will. I don't think it's, I don't think he's on the other side of the hub, but he'd be my second choice, but I, I agree. Fowler probably at this point. Yeah. So, so let me throw in, uh, let me throw in my opinion here. So Brian, I'm going to give Ricky Fowler a pass only because to your point, he fell off the radar and became completely irrelevant for about the last three or four years. And then to his credit has retooled his game or whatever, and has become relevant and is coming on strong, um, you know, just this year after, again, just not even, you know, being in the top, I don't know how many hundred of players in the world. So I'm going to give him a pass. I agree with Drew. For me, there's two names that come to mind. I'm going to say Xander because he's danced all around it. He's won everything, but pretty much. Including, didn't he win a gold medal? Or am I? No, he did. He, he yeah. won in Tokyo in twenty twenty one. So, so he he's dancing all around it. For but to your point, Drew, for some reason, he he just seems to uh, to fade as opposed to doing what Victor did the last couple rounds, which was basically just you know draw just a nail you know nail in the coffin, so to speak. The other guy now, Hovland has not won one yet, has he? No, but he's, uh, I give him he's a young. chance. He, yeah, he, he was, yep. he, he was he, the 2018 he, he, U.S. Amateur Champion. I mean, I yeah. guess maybe you count that as a major. Well, um, Remember, guys, we saw him at Pebble <laughs> Beach in 2019 as yes. a rookie. Yeah, playing right. with, with Kepka and Molinari yep. and holding his own. Yep. Yeah. So I'm going to give him, a. I mean, again, I put him there, that's, I'm going to admit that's being overly harsh because 2019 was his rookie season that he's only, you know, uh, completing his, uh, his, his fourth year on the tour. But again, how quickly, right? Like if he goes another couple of years, would you agree that if he goes another couple of years, gets to like a sixth, seventh year on the tour and still hasn't won one that he starts to, you know, maybe feel the, feel, feel the weight of that, that monkey on his back a little bit. Maybe Brian, go ahead. No, I was going to say it depends on how well he does over the next couple of years. If he if he doesn't play well, then then I don't think he puts himself in that category. It depends on how he how he plays. If he's up in the leaderboard, if he's winning other tournaments, then yeah, he's he's certainly one of the guys that. Oh, get a base hit! Sorry, guys, I'm rooting for the uh, the Atlanta Braves here uh, over the Giants. But anyway, um, are you still are you still worried about the Giants, Brian? No, I just don't want him to get to the playoffs. Ah, but anyway, so I, I think if, if Hovland um, 
goes over to your point, Mike, if he wins a few more tournaments, if he's in the, in the hunt, then yeah, he's probably right up there as, as the, as the best player to have not won one, but you know, I, like I said, I think you can pick two or three different guys. I think Fowler is by far the most popular uh, yeah. of the guys that we've named. I yeah. honestly don't know. And it's kind of weird. It's just a gut feeling. And, and generally I'm wrong on these. I don't know if Shoffley's ever going to win a major tournament. I, wow. And I know he's great. Wow. Really, I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not telling oh. you he's not great. I just don't know if he's ever going to win one. It just seems like he, he gets there and then all of a sudden he just falls off. So I don't wow. know. You know, well, the way. It's, it's really, really hard to win a major. And, and I don't know if he's going to win one. None of us know. Um, I'll give you another name. I'll throw another Englishman at you. Tommy, don't call me Mick Fleetwood. Oh, my God. Right. Yes. Agre yeah. Agreed. Now, Brian, that's such an aggressive, bold statement to make. If 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 uh, if Xander was like 40 or even in his late 30s, you know, I, I might not, you know, vehemently oppose your, uh, you know, your comments or whatever. But how old is Xander? Like 28? 27 years old. I mean, he's not been on the tour more than what, maybe seven years or so. Yeah. yeah I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not but sure. Anyway, bold statement. Um, all right. Have we, uh, have we uh, let the air out of the tires a bit on the golf? You want to switch over to another subject that I know that my two fellow matzo balls are, are eager to at least throw in their two cents worth and talk about our USC Trojan football team. Let's do it. Okay. Um, Drew, let's start with you in terms of uh, takeaways from last night's game against San Jose State. A 56 to 28 victory, if I'm not mistaken, on the final score. Yes, yes. So a, a couple takeaways. One, let's all pump the brakes on panicking over all the things that didn't work yesterday. Because um, a lot of stuff didn't work. I thought that Riley was maybe a little bit too cute, you know, wasn't interested in being physical and running the ball down their throat, wanted to try some cute stuff. Our offense is going to be off the charts. Great. Um, he's got to settle on an offensive line that works. There was a lot of pressure sometimes on Williams. I think sometimes we just expect him to be a magician and never get hit, never get sapped, never make a mistake. Um, Zion Branch is going to be, I mean, uh, Zachariah Branch is going to be everything advertised. Um, I was a little disappointed there wasn't more of Rayleigh Brown because I thought that was the guy that was going to be Branch last year. We'll see. Let's talk about the elephant in the room, the defense. I, I was just as upset as you guys. I saw all the texts coming through. I, I just think it's a little early to toss Grinch to the Wolves. They, they made some mistakes. They gave up some big plays. My view is they've got three pretty good cupcakes at home in a row. If they don't fix it by game three at home, the Stanford game, even though I know they're going to go 6-0 and before they go back to face Notre Dame, if they don't fix this and they're still giving up big plays by the Stanford game, then I would be right with you calling for his dismissal because I don't think you can wait more than three games into the year but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be pulling the plug yet, but, but I would expect to see significant improvement in the next two games. That's it. That's all I got. Go, Brian. All right. Uh, let me talk about the offense first. Um, first of all, in this day and age, 
And, and I will tell you, I think USC has the best offense in the country. I just do. Uh, I could be wrong, but I'm certainly not that far off. With NIL and with the portal, against these three cupcakes, I thought Riley did the right thing. You got to play a ton of players because you got to keep these kids happy. Because if they're not happy, they're going to go in the portal. So if you notice, he played three quarterbacks. You would never see him play three quarterbacks in a game like this. Generally, he played two. He played a ton of receivers. It's obvious to me that the ball could have gone to Branch a lot more than it did. And to Riley's credit, you know, he got guys like uh, Deuce Robinson in there who had two or three catches, obvious, um, a, a ton of different running backs. So I'm not worried about that because when push comes to shove, he's going to settle in on who he's going to settle in with, and they're going to be really, really good. Yep. Um, the thing that bothers me in coming from a person, uh, I think both of you know I was a phenomenal defensive player when I played basketball in high school, so defense is my number one priority. Um, let me put it to you this way. Lincoln Riley has been with Grinch for now we're going on five years. What more of a sample size do you need? You know, to Lincoln Riley's credit, they've gotten to the uh, college football playoff three times in Oklahoma. And I laugh at what everyone said last year. We, we do understand that had those freaking refs not made those two um, roughing the passer penalties against Utah in the first game. And remember, Utah scored basically in the last minute of that game to beat us. Regardless of what have happened in the Pac-12 championship, they're back in that playoff again. And That's I don't right. really I don't give a shit about the Tulane game because no one's interested in playing Tulane, although it does show what Grinch is defensively. So here we are again, and let's be honest, they recruited and they got in the portal really good defensive players. Mm -hmm. And I think it's safe to say there's not one guy on San Jose State's team on defense that would play at USC. And let me make it even more. If you take the Mountain West to, again, I think the Mountain West is a nice football program. How many guys playing defense in the Mountain West would be starting at USC right now? And yet, here we go, the first game. I understand you're going to have mistakes. I understand he played some, you know, a lot of players. But what's different in that game than from last year? What's different? So you're right. We played two or three more cupcakes. All I'm saying is it's a Band-Aid because we're going to score between 50 and 70 points. And now what happens when all of a sudden we're not playing a cupcake? So I don't think they're ready. They look out of position. And what I heard on – a lot of different radio shows with a lot of ex-players who are now analysts, they're saying, look, at when he was at Washington State, he had undersized kids and he ran a certain scheme and it really worked. The problem is he's now running that same scheme with big time players and they're constantly out of position, a.k.a. third and 22 and they give up 28 yards, things of that nature. So I, um, you know, my wife wants them fired now. She wanted him fired at halftime. I don't think you fire him, Drew, and here's the reason why until the end of the year, because recruiting takes place. And if you fire him in the middle of the season, it looks like they're unorganized, and now you're going to lose some four or five-star. We got four or five-star guys despite Grinch being there. I think at the end of the year, even though they're close friends, and guys, I love both of you, but I'd fire your ass if you, if you coached with me and that was how you played defense – He's got to go ahead and fire his friend and his friend will be fine. He'll land on his feet. But if we're going to look at winning national championships, I'm sorry. The sample size is there. We've got the players. We've got dudes on that team. Well, so you're saying that, that, that they, 
stick with Grinch throughout the season and and irrespective of what happens, fire him at the end of the season? Well, when you say irrespective, in my opinion, it would take a miracle for things to change. If God forbid they did change, and I'm not even asking them to be great on defense. Yeah, I just say you, you've got to be solid and you've got to be more aggressive and it can't be gimmicky. Just be solid on defense. Right. And, and be smart. There's, right. there's, it's inexcusable to have a Mountain West Conference team convert third and 22. Inexcusable. And it's also inexcusable on that last touchdown before halftime yeah. to be playing in that defense as opposed to just back off. There's, what, 10 seconds to go in the half? As you say, Brian, give them a five or 10-yard completion. So what if they have to kick a field goal? Big deal. The only thing that hurts you is the touchdown, and and Grinch was pressing on the coverage, and the guy got behind him, and there was no safety help. The Here's a thing, very, you know, I was going to say a very funny story, Mike. Just real quick, and I'll let you. I played golf today with uh, three other guys, and the foursome behind us, one of the guys uh, was Pat Hill, the Fresno State ex coach. Oh, okay. And Pat uh, still does announcing. He does some other things, but you know he was a very aggressive guy, and he, the SC subject came up. And he just said, hey, Lincoln Riley, they don't play any defense. They don't seem to care. And he said, you know, when Pete was there, they were a lot saltier. He goes, and they just need to get salty. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was just interesting that, uh, look, at I love Lincoln. I think he's phenomenal. I don't want anyone else there. But good Lord, you know, at some point, we've got to be able to stop someone. Go ahead, Mike. Yep. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, so Drew, uh, that the, the egregious – error on defense that you mentioned at the end of the first half. Um, that's the type of error that if that happens in a game deeper into the season against a good team where as we go deeper, uh, these games, that can mean the difference between winning and losing the game, even though it came at the, even, even though it came at the end of the half. Now that said, yeah. I'm grateful that if they had to make an egregious mistake like that, that it happened the first half of the first game of the season, because to your, both of your guys points, they do have, uh, they do have a pretty soft schedule um, where their first, I think, you know, real test isn't going to come until that, what is it, the sixth or seventh game when they uh, when they play at Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, my, my biggest takeaway from last, I mean, obviously, um, USC has an embarrassment of riches in terms of their offensive personnel. And Brian, you can vouch for me on this, okay? I texted Brian, and I'm not kidding you, it was less than 60 seconds before this kid, number one, Zachariah Branch, ran back that touchdown for 96 yard. I text, texted Brian saying, oh my God, this number one on USC, a freshman, he is so damn cat quick and he is a, a speed burner. This guy is going to be a difference maker and it's going to win SC some games this year. And bam, I sent that yeah. text and he ran for that touchdown. That he, to, to me, he he is uh, just jaw-droppingly, I mean, among a, a plethora of talented players on offense, this this kid is amazing. Oh, they're, look, at they have guys on both sides of the ball. There, there's no excuse for them to not be in the hunt. Now, to get there, you got to have some luck, and the back end of their schedule is brutal. You yes. know, they, they, they have a very, very tough schedule, so – uh, but what the NIL and what the portal has done, and I've said this before, it's, you know, everyone says there's no parity. There is parity when it comes to winning a national championship, because there's now 15 to 20 teams that are going to bring in guys 
And, you know, we don't know what Texas is going to be like right now. We don't know Texas A&M, but eventually those teams are going to come to the forefront. And SC is one of those teams. Yeah. SC has the guys, but this, at the same time, you look at, you got to play some defense. You don't have to be great because these teams are all scoring. I mean, look right. what TCU did to Michigan. Um, you know, you look at what Ohio State did to Georgia. Right. You know, teams are scoring. So I don't want to – the days of, you know, the Woody Hayes, that's bullshit. Right. But you got to make stops. Right. You got to make – right. Look, Tennessee, I think, hung, what, 47, 48 on Alabama last year. Right. Yeah. And on, on the great Nick Saban defense. So offenses – we're in an era right now where offenses are way ahead. But you're right, Brian. You, you Not only do you have to make stops, but you have to make a team at least earn a touchdown and put together a 10- or 12-play drive. Oh, not, yes. two play, not two plays. And that was what Pete's genius was. Pete Carroll always said, I'm going to make him go 10 or 12 plays because I know during the course of the game, at some point, they're not going to be able to go 10 plays. They're going to fumble. They're going to drop a pass. They're, the quarterback's going to throw something bad. If you got to make them do 10 plays, then something bad's going to happen as opposed to two plays where, you know, you, they can easily go downfield. So that was – Pete was great. If they, you scored against Pete, you earned it, and, and it took a while. So, and, Brian, uh, here's, Brian yeah. here's, here's my opinion about, uh, about Grinch's uh, fate, and um, Christine's not going not gonna to like my opinion about this. Um, if, if USC gets into the, the playoffs, which I, I believe they will do, but if they get into the playoffs and do not win the national championship, not necessarily by coaches' regards or the players' regards, but that would be considered to be a an improvement, obviously, over Lincoln's first year because they will have made the playoffs as opposed to not making the playoffs. And if their defense is slightly worse than decent, to use your word, okay, I think that uh, that Grinch's job is secured you know, in, into next season. If, the, well, if, if they that's get the, into the, yeah, if they yeah. get into the college football playoff, I, I don't see them getting fired. Yeah. Um, because once you get there, I mean, everything's up for grabs. It's not easy to win these things. You know, if it were easy, Alabama would have 30 of them. You know, you, you, it's not easy to win a national championship. And, and I yeah. laugh at people that, uh, that think it's easy. Well, they're, you know, they had a bad year. They didn't win the national championship or people are putting TCU down. They didn't deserve it. Screw you. They yeah. deserve to be there. They got there, you know? And, and so I don't right. want to hear about how they got beat. I don't care. They were there. Um, so at the end of the day, I think you want to get in there and then you want to see what can happen. It's kind of like anything else, Mike and, and, and Drew in, the, in baseball, you want to get into the playoffs. It doesn't matter if you're a wild card or whatever. Football, you don't care how you get in. Same thing with basketball. Well, getting into the college football playoff, you want to get there. And it's yeah. tough to get there now because there's yeah. four teams. And Look, once you we get there, let's see what happens. Right. We all think about, oh, my God, Georgia just ran through everybody and cream TCU. Ohio State in the semifinal had Georgia beat. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah. so Georgia got – I mean – they're great. They deserve it, of course. But they got a little lucky, got to the yep. championship game, and then blew TCU out. So your point is, Brian, just get to the playoffs because anything can happen. Yep. yep. And, and you know, as a fan, and because we're all of a certain age, we've, we've already 
been able to witness national championships. For me, it's national championship or nothing. And when I say nothing, it's not like I'm upset. It's okay, let's go on to next year. You know, yeah. I I mean, yes, I want them to get to the playoffs. And yes, you know, certainly if they if they win it, it would be great. If they didn't win it, I'm not gonna go, oh my God, they sucked or this is hey, that's all right, next year. But you yeah. know, I wouldn't I wouldn't go ahead and, and have a celebration you know, at the end of the day for just getting there. I just think for me at my age, having witnessed watching them win national championships, hey, national championship or bust, but not from the standpoint of, well, they should fire Lincoln because he didn't win the national championship. Right. No, keep getting there. Yeah. Right, right. I, I just look at it exactly the same way. Um, I'm not hanging a banner because they go 10 and two and win the Cotton Bowl, but right. it's a good season. Congratulations, you're, you're, you're in the conversation. You're one of the elite teams. Try to do better next year. So yeah. the next the, the next sport that we're going to talk about, really, uh, we weren't intending on talking about today, but we were chatting for a couple of minutes before we hit the record button. And uh, Brian brought up a very uh, interesting name of a now retired uh, NBA legend. So, Brian, um, we're going to have you take over and, and, and retell the story in succinct, succinct style and uh, unashamedly. Uh, reach out for a uh, for an ask that we hope will be answered. Absolutely. I, I, I'm going to call my brother after the podcast and tell him to get his ass on and listen to it. Uh, my brother <laughs> yesterday, uh, who's a member of Mountain Gate, God darn it, the Giants are down three to two, but I think they're going to go ahead and score. Stay anyway, focused. Um, stay focused. Right, stay, stay focused. focused. <laughs> um, so anyway, my brother uh, – played with uh, James Worthy, the ex-Laker during the uh, the heyday of the Laker days during um, Showtime. Showtime. And uh, so he played with James. And uh, first of all, he said he had a great time. He said he's a fantastic guy. Uh, they talked about basketball and when he played and how much he loved playing with the Lakers and the camaraderie they had and how special it was. And my brother said he was just, just great on the course. And then it was funny at the end of the round, he said, you know, he told my brother, Hey, I'd love playing with you. If you see my name on the list, make sure you go ahead and play with me. So James, listen, even though I'm not my brother, I am a better golfer than my brother. And I think it would be a, just a great, great um, time if you would come on our podcast, because we all lived through Showtime. We were out there rooting for you. I was in the fourth row, baby, watching you play along with our friends. And uh, it was one of the best times of our life. And we would love to have you on to discuss those days and just talk about things and kind of bring back our youth and how fun it was to to watch you. So I am, I'm not begging you, but I, I would love to have you on. Actually, I am begging you. We need you on. Um, <laughs> to uh, have have you on our podcast because uh, you really were a special player. Um, and we certainly, in our opinions, you were, you were obviously a Laker great. I, I so, second that opinion, James. I, I, I'm just going to add to big game, James. You were the greatest finisher in the history of basketball. You got out on the break and when you got the ball, it, it was down. You know, there are guys that, that sometimes can't finish. Greatest finisher ever. And when you would get the ball out on the wing with Kevin McHale guarding you, he, he was done because you'd be by him in an instant. And those were the greatest days. And so I'm glad you played golf with Craig. 
I think Brian is a better golfer, but even though Brian is eye candy, Craig is better looking. So come oh, on. No, no, no. Come come on our <laughs> podcast, James. <laughs> so guys, listen, uh, on that note, James, we look forward to having you on our podcast. I, I hope in the foreseeable future. It so, would be our honor. It would be an honor. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and we're going to toast James, by the way, when we are, uh, this is a good segue. We're going we're to toast you, James, when we are on our annual uh, boys trip to Las Vegas, something we've been doing for four decades or so. Um, that's coming up, as you guys know. Uh, well, I think the three of us are going to be there on Thursday, um, September 7th, and do a little Thursday night football cha-cha action. So that'll be fun. Uh, and then the rest of our the rest of our gaggle will be arriving and we'll have our uh, official uh, boys trip launch uh, over lunch, as we usually do on Friday afternoon. So I'm looking very much forward to that. And I'm sure you guys are, too. Hey, Mike, do you yeah. think since we're going to be there Thursday, we should invite big game James to join us at the uh, cigar bar from Thursday Night Football since, he, since he'll be on the podcast anyway? Of course. So, James, we, we will be at the Monte Cristo Cigar Bar at Caesars Palace. I'm sure you frequented that establishment before. Very high end. And we'll have a special seat. Um, it will have your name on it. So yep. hopefully you will be in that seat as opposed to just your name on the back of the chair. It, it'll just say B.G.J. Big game, James. Love it. Love it. <laughs> one more NFL note. So I just got a text message from one of my enablers who lives in Las Vegas who sent me uh, copies of uh, three betting tickets. I couldn't help myself. I had to bet on uh, the Super Bowl futures on three teams that whose names have been mentioned as um, showing an interest in getting Jonathan Taylor from the Baltimore Colts, who may very well stay a Colt, but he has until Tuesday, I guess, to sum up with, uh, come up with something that the Colts organization uh, might feel is uh, viable for a trade. So he just sent me confirmation that these bets have been placed. What teams are they? Jay uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Loser. Go ahead. <laughs> Miami Dolphins. Oh, that's gee, that's a good team. Talk about defense. Go ahead. Why do I do this, Drew? Why why do I <laughs> why do I even fall for this? Why do I just fall for this bullshit? Okay, Maybe I'm, I'm, Raiders he, next, all right? <laughs> here's a team that you would never think would be omitted from my lips, the Dallas Cowboys. Ugh. Oh. You know, sadly, they actually have a chance. It would kill me if they did. But sadly, they do have a chance. They do. I thought your enabler, Mike, I thought you were going to say that he wanted to show you three winning tickets that he bet on preseason football. And I would say, <laughs> that guy is one sick puppy if he's betting on preseason football. My, my three picks are the Commanders, the Rams, and the Raiders, all three combined may not win 12 games <laughs> you know that would be an interesting bet brian that would be an interesting bet right there <laughs> i wonder if you could parlay that to say you know under 12 total well you know i could tell you what the total is because it's six and a half for the raiders and commanders and four for the rams so actually mike, yeah mike buckley will be able to book a bet uh drew a parlay of those of those three teams action on those three teams to the um, the first period of the Sabers Kings preseason hockey game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey guys, I got one more shout out. I think is appropriate in light of uh, information we learned this week. How about a shout out to our good buddy who can't make it to Vegas this year, um, Howard Seligman, 
We wish you a speedy, easy, and 100% complete recovery, my friend. Absolutely. 100% shout out to Howard Seligman. And I know that you're going to be back strong and I can't wait to have you back next year in Vegas. And we're going to have a hell of a time. So yes, get better soon. So needless needless to say, Howie, you know, we all, we all love you dearly. And, um, and we're always sending you continuously every day. um, When you, even when you don't hear from us, we're sending out positive vibes and, and positive energy, buddy. So um, we love you. And uh, before we sign off, since you guys were uh, seem to be tickled by my, my my first joke from the old Jews telling jokes book, we're going to do a bookend and we're going to end with one final joke here. So some years ago, they were celebrating Neil, Neil Armstrong's landing on the moon. And it was, uh, you know, they were interviewing him not long before he passed away. And they said, you know, Mr. Armstrong, it's amazing the feat that you did. And how you went down in history, and especially that incredible quote, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And Neil Armstrong says, I never said that. And it's like, (laughs) the reporter goes, what are you talking about? Everybody knows you said that. It was all over the news. It was on TV. It's recorded. It's taught at schools. He says, that may be, but I never said that. Well, reporter says, well, then what did you say? He said, I said, one small step for man and one giant leap for Manny Klein. (laughs) And the reporter says, really? (laughs) And Neil says, yes. Well, where the hell did that come from? And Neil Armstrong says, "When when I was growing up in Brooklyn, our family lived next door to the Kleins, Manny Klein and his wife. The walls were very thin. And I used to hear Manny begging all the time that his wife should give him oral sex. And she would always say, Manny, when a man walks on the moon. <laughs> that is a good one. I, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to repeat the hell out of that. Very good. few very few people know. Was, <laughs> Manny Klein. It was Manny Klein. That is not taught in the history books. Thank you for that. Okay, you're very welcome. Hey, James, again. what you can learn from us. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. Another great Thanks. podcast. We'll see you yep. soon. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.